and this is the Age Group Multisport Podcast with me, Richard Conway. This is a platform for Age Group Multisport athletes to showcase their journeys. to episode 69 um thank you once again for taking your time out to give us a listen much appreciated hope everything in your world's going well and your training's going well and if you've been racing you've enjoyed it because that's the main thing what a journey we have for you on this episode um we really are happy to share ben wilf goodfellow's journey um and his incredible rise from not really doing much um, up until his last year at university where he was doing an engineering degree. He decided that he was going to train for an Ironman because he thought that was the ultimate test. Great motivation to get him off his computer and get him moving again. And little did he know where it was going to take him. With the premise of doing all this training to become an Ironman, he started off his journey doing a, a 70.3. Through his journey with various ups and downs, as we'll hear, um, which also includes age group racing at both duathlon and triathlon at Worlds and the Europeans. He's found himself now with hard work, determination, going to be racing in the pro ranks this year. Just a phenomenal rise of a, of a humble young man. And um, he really is humble, and I don't really think he knows how good he is. Hope you enjoy Ben's story. That's coming up. It's getting exciting now. We're getting closer to our race over in Italy, Venice, for the Duathlon European Championships. Our club's only a small club. We've got about 25 members. And to be fair, there are nine of us have raced or will have raced by the end with the uh, Italian Duathlon for age group, which is a phenomenal ask, actually for such a small club. Uh, and I'm really proud of all the guys um, who've raced in the past and are trying to qualify or have qualified and are racing in Italy. We try and train together as much as possible. And at the weekend on Sunday, we had our homegrown duathlon, which was just really a small duathlon in the area just to get everybody together, practice transitions, practice the run bike run and as usual support each other and encourage each other uh for the races to come so that was pretty nice 10 of us are going across to italy five of us are racing so we've got a great support network and yeah looking forward to it it's getting it's getting close now like i say it's looming large and uh, everybody's getting excited and it's not just for the racing, it's nice to get out and um, as a group and have a bit of a holiday afterwards, so that'll be pretty cool. So if you're over there and you're racing or you're supporting, come and say hello and good luck with your training and getting over there and everything else that goes with it. And most of all, just enjoy it. Lots of sport on the weekend just gone. There was lots of cycling as usual, one day classics and tours coming to an end. And... Also, the indoor athletics uh, worlds was on, um, featuring quite a lot of Brits who had done really well. So that was nice to watch. And the indoor arena games, uh, triathlon was back on. Um, not many names that I recognised in there, but it was really, really good to watch, really exciting, uh, both the men's and the women's. And kudos to Lionel Sanders, who you may or may not have heard of, and he's pretty much a long-distance um, triathlete who's won the world title numerous times and he decided to rock up and give this a go well his swimming um, was about 30 seconds off the rest of them but he certainly made up for that on the bike and the run he was absolutely phenomenal the amount of power he was putting out his heart rate was unbelievable I think it, at one point he was doing five 500 watts and his heartbeat was about 130 beats a minute <laughs> just 
Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And it was nice to see a young Brit on, end up on the podium. Jack Stanton Stock, who's 20-year-old, took the race by the scruff of the neck and gave everything he had. If you haven't seen it yet, you can go on their website and uh, watch it. Really, really good. Really worth a fantastic format. Uh, really exciting racing. And some other news on triathlon. Um, Gwen Jorgensen's back. Yeah, after a six-year absence trying to get into the US team to do the marathon, she's decided that uh, she wants to get back into triathlon. So she had her first race after giving birth to a second child um, at the weekend over in New Zealand at the Worlds, and she finished on the podium. I think she was third. Uh, so a phenomenal return. Uh, from a phenomenal athlete. So it'll be interesting to see her rise over the next few months to see what she can do. A couple of good podcasts I have uh, listened to over the last few weeks. Um, One's by Simon Ward. And he was asking, would you do an off-road triathlon? And basically this was based around Xterra coming over to um, the UK. Um, And he had Tim Lloyd on, who was the founder of Always Aim High events the guy who does the slateman snowman and sandman in north wales and loads of other events and they've taken over the exterior license um and they'll be promoting this year's event in western park in shropshire so yeah it's uh, it was good listen actually and if you're into off-road uh triathlon and duathlon you should give that a listen it's good and on the uh, topic of gwen jorgensen um I listened to a podcast called The Marginal Gains and she was a guest on that and she was pretty much talking about why she wanted to come back into uh, triathlon and what was the exciting thing that's motivated her to get back into it. Uh, she didn't really enjoy it first time round. So give that one a listen, definitely. It's uh, a superb listen. And that's about it for now. So on to the main event and... You're really going to love this one, and we'll see you on the other side. Hiya. Hello there. How are we doing? Uh, all right, yeah. Just dealing with this injury, but, yeah, not so yeah. bad. Yeah. How's it, how's it bearing up? Um, A lot better than I thought it was. When the first diagnosis was six to eight weeks, I thought I'd be struggling to get in the pool or anything to begin with, but I've been able to get in the pool again and jump on the turbo and stuff, so and hobbling around that crutches now, it's helping. Is it in a boot? Uh, it's not, no. It's like, um, I guess you'd call it like a, a hard-soled slipper, really. It's sort of like a little thing with two straps over it and a, a thick bit of rubber at the bottom. Yeah. It's, good that they don't, it's good that they don't plaster it anymore. Yeah, well, it definitely helps when it comes to showering and stuff like that. Having it in the plaster is a nightmare. I've just been reading up again on your email that you sent, and it's like very impressive. In such a short space of time, I know you. I know you only really started in 2017, but with COVID in the way of that, wow! Um, you had no idea how, how good you could be. I suppose it's just from from the background. But we'll get into that. I'm just. I was just like, from what you said about not really doing much as a kid, and then and then not doing anything at all till you went to uni. It's like, and then you've come to where you've got to. It's quite incredible. Yeah. And you just sit there all like oh. blasting about this. Yeah. I, I guess when you're in it from day to day, and you, you don't. No, yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, if, if you from 2017 to now, in some ways, feels a very short time, but in other times, it feels yeah, there's a, a lot of work gone in between then and now. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it, you're right. It doesn't, from my point of view, 2017 is not not very long at all. But the work that you've probably put in in that time, as we can all appreciate, it's it. It must be immense. Um, so yeah, but yeah, we'll get into all that. And uh, really interested to hear it from having read it, hear it from your point of view. And uh, but yeah. don't be don't be shy about it. Big it up as much as you can because it makes yeah, a good difference. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to get rolling. Um, and if you just want to tell us a little bit who you are, where you come from, what you do, yeah, just tell us a little bit about your sporting background growing up. Yeah. So uh, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's a great honour. Uh, I'm a uh, Benjamin Wilford Goodfellow. And my family and friends call me Wilf generally, but full name is Benjamin Goodfellow. Uh, currently, I am 26 years old. And as we were just discussing earlier, uh, my journey through sports probably not the, the typical journey, really. As a youngster, I used to do a bit of swimming in a club local to where I grew up, but I was never particularly good at it. Uh, I was only sort of club level, never really made the the 
the A team they used to call it. It used to be like the, the B team and the A team. I was always in the second division. Uh, did some mountain biking with my friends at the weekend, keeping busy, and got dragged along to some sort of fell running and cross country and stuff like that because yeah. my sister was really good at running, but I, yeah. I, I was never really good as a kid. <laughs> I was just going to say, just for the listeners, to point out where you come from. So where I'm based now is uh, Wrexham. Yeah, but where were you Where were you brought up? And I was born in Kendall, uh, Cumbria yeah. sort of area, north of England. Yeah, so you got great... Um, Obviously, you're near the Lakes District and everything. You've got great fell running and, and mountain biking. I suppose that's where it come from, was it? Yeah, for, for someone that likes the outdoors, it's, it's the perfect area to live, really. I guess. And there's not many places better than the Lake District for adventuring and exploring, really. It's yeah. perfect place to be. Yeah, I love it. I mean, we've been over there a lot over the years, um, especially up to Grisdale Forest and around that area. Yeah, Grisdale, yeah, yeah. As I was saying, grew up in uh, Cumbria. Uh, had a bit of a background in sport, but not so much. And then middle teens, sort of secondary school time, I sort of fell away from sport completely, really. Uh, did Picked up a lot of computer gaming in the evenings and, yeah, just dropped off sport, really. And then went to university. I've always been quite engineering, or I've always been quite maths, physics and engineering focused as a kid. Mm-hmm. And went to Glendower, which is in North Wales, for university there, doing an engineering degree. And in my sort of third year, I decided I should probably try and get a bit more active and spend less time on the computer game and indoors. So I decided to start triathloning. Well, decided to, with my background and a bit of biking and a bit of swimming, I decided that I'd join the local triathlon club. That wasn't part of the university. The university didn't have any triathlon clubs. No, it's a bit of a shame that the the university in Wrexham, it's it's good for being really small. So you, you you get a good sort of... Not quite one to one, but uh, small classes. But they don't really have that much in the way of uh, the social clubs and stuff of the bigger uni. So they, they don't have their own tri club. But Wrexham, as the town, has a tri club, and that's how I joined and started right. going to some sessions of running tracks and cycling events. You'd be um, nailing the swimming pretty much straight off because if you've been swimming as a kid, you'd you'd have the technique. I would imagine. What were you doing four hundred yeah. when you first started? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that, swimming. Swimming's a funny one because where I am now, it's my weakest of the three. Mm. Uh, but when I started back, when I started picking up triathlon in 2017, I definitely thought of it as my strength. Uh, but it just never really progressed that much. But whereas the other two keep progressing, obviously starting out running, it's I was lucky to not really get any injuries, but I've seen massive progressions in running and cycling. Mm. Whereas yeah, swimming's the hardest one, I'd say, just because it's so technique based that. If you're not if you're not focused on improving, it's very hard to make any gains, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It's so tough. I mean, you're you're quite fortunate, like I say, having done some swimming as a kid and a background. I would imagine you nailed that that technique. But it's something you got to keep on, like you've said, at it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, 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 obviously, it's easy to say in hindsight now, but I wish I'd done more swimming as a kid and more sport as a kid. Because I obviously love it so much now, but in, in early life, I, I wasn't loving it at the time. I was getting dragged along to what caught the swimming session and didn't take advantage of them. But yeah. Well, these things up for a reason, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not yeah. for everybody, you know what I mean? And you've found it now at the time that you love it. So you can't really sit back and dwell and wish wish for yeah, what you've yeah. done because you weren't ready, were you? So you've got the rest of your life here, Eddie. What are you, 26, no, no. 27? 26, yeah, 26 going 26. 27. Yeah. And I, I, I do think that there's a lot to be said for finding sport, finding your own enjoyment in sport. If if if, if, you, if you're forced into it as a kid or something, I think there's a lot of burnout, especially with swimming. I think swimming probably has the biggest burnout of any yeah. of the sports that kids do. Some of them are double day, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, mornings and evening after school and all sorts. You did quite well to get away from it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's what helps me enjoy it so much now is the fact that, yeah. I wasn't forced into it that much as a kid. Choose my own path into it. That's it. Great. Yeah. And what a path you've um, you've chiselled out for yourself. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like steady progress year on year, uh, as you say. So started that in 2017, six years in the sport. In some ways, it feels quite a short time. Sometimes it feels quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, Results and splits and all sorts have definitely been progression year on year, which is really great to see. Even before I got into triathlon, I've always sort of thought of the Ironman as 
the ultimate event that everyone can take on the challenge of it with enough training. It's the yeah. achievable, unachievable thing that sets you apart from other people, I guess. It's how I'd sort of see that. Yeah. So it's just, it's just something, a bucket list thing I'd like to be able to tick off and say that I've done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so started out in 2017. So I've had that in, as the long sight goal to complete. And I thought the first demonstration to that was putting in a 70.3. So I did one of those in 2017, which was Epic Man Lancashire, it was called, or Lancaster, I think it was actually called at the time. Uh, and that went well. The swim was cancelled. And I think I'd, yeah. Finished about 20th, I think, and it's probably quite a small event. I can't remember exactly how many people, maybe 200 people. So still a decent result at that time. But Was that your first race then? Uh, yeah, yeah. First that's, first race of multi-sport, really. That's, that's unbelievable, isn't it? If you think about yeah. it. You know, from, from starting off from scratch and then getting a 20th position in a 70.3, that's, uh, that's a great beginning. Yeah, it's quite it's quite small events. The little epic events run one. It's it's quite big now. They still run a the same branded event, but it's now based in Windermere. So what was next? Uh, next, actually, did that event and then took three months to head over to New Zealand and uh, do some travelling. Oh, nice. Then, uh, got a job back in Wrexham and continued training with the Wrexham Tri Club and twenty. 18, uh, the main event I did that year was what's called the Helvellyn Triathlon based in the lakes, which is a a, a very tough one. If anyone knows it, you, you, the, the run is a full-on fell run up Helvellyn. Uh, the bike goes over some, some passes, and one of them called the Struggle, which suggests from the name that it is pretty tough, and the swim's always yeah. cold in old water. So did did that. And just uh, on that, was that the one that Ali Brownlee did? Uh, he he did it in a few years' time. I actually I did that event a few years in a, in a row. Right. Uh, in twenty eighteen. Yeah, I, I did that in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, and twenty twenty. Right. Okay. And in twenty eighteen, uh, it's September time, so I had an extra year's training basically on top of that. I managed mm-hmm. to finish third that year, mm-hmm. and then came back in twenty nineteen, finished second. <laughs> and then in twenty twenty, which is the year I'd originally planned to do the Ironman. Obviously, everything changed with COVID that year. Yeah. Uh, so the Ironman Wales ended up getting cancelled, but later September sort of time, that Helvellyn was going ahead. And because there was lots of pros that obviously needed to make a living, they decided to pull in a pro race into that Helvellyn race and brought over, well, I don't, I don't think there's any foreign athletes, but there's all like, the top. UK athletes of Alistair Brownleys and Joe Skippers and people came over to race it. Yeah, uh, I remember Alistair it. Alistair obviously took the run with his uh, phenomenal background. Yeah, I remember yeah. it because it was a big deal because obviously there wasn't much racing going on. Um, no, everything was cancelled, yeah. Yeah, they made a big deal about him turning up for this event. Uh, yes. So yeah, yeah, so it was a stacked field at the time. So go on, tell us how you did on that one. So, so that, that, that one, I managed to finish first person that wasn't in the elite and pro category. And the time itself for the, well, against the pros would have been fifth in the pro wave. And I think there's about 20 or 25 people that started in that. So pretty competitive. Um, yeah. So how did you feel after that? Uh, it was, yeah, it was a really great day. Uh, it took me a bit by surprise. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think in the day, if I'd been in the pro field, I think there was like £800 prize money that, that I would have earned for fifth place in that race. It, it, they, they brought in quite a lot of uh, prestige, as you were saying, to that race. Next year on 2019, so I decided to try and build on that a bit more and try and take yeah. on some of, of the sort of UK uh, championship style racing. So put in the Welsh Middle Distance Championships and the British Duathlon Championships. Mm. And again, had Ironman Wales on the cards, but even a year into COVID, they still ended up cancelling that event. But the other two went ahead. Yeah. The the Welsh Middle Distance was over in Fishguard, and uh, I went down there and had a really good battle with who's now my coach, a chap called Nathan Ford, and there was also... Uh, well, yeah, I had a really good battle with him, but ended up taking that win, which 
again, felt like a, a massive step forward to come away with a Welsh title. Mm-hmm. The first time I'd ever had anything like that. And yeah, st- when, when I think back to when I started, I definitely wouldn't have thought I could ever say like Welsh champion. Mm. Uh, and then later in the year was the British duathlon championships for standard distance. Yeah. And again, I managed to come away with the win at that event, which again, big surprise and qualified me for some of the world championships and European championships that I'd do the year later. Yeah. Yeah. And, and before um, you'd entered those, did you know about age group as a thing? Uh, in the back of my head, I'd always known about it. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about it so much, but as soon as I knew about it and the idea that you can qualify to wear a GB kit and race in a GB kit, it definitely became a goal to get it ticked off on the bucket list. Yeah, so that, that, that was this year I managed to wear that for the first time. So, and how did that go? That went really well. I went out to a duathlon in Aseldorf, Germany, which yeah. was the Euro- European champs at the start of last year, uh, managed to win that one. That, that also had an elite field, and I think it would have been about fifth time-wise on the elites. Um, the same event's taking place this year, now, in the 30th of April, which was originally on my calendar. Yeah. Uh, but with events that have happened, I ended up uh, going out for a run three weeks ago and breaking my foot. Yeah. So I'm on the mend on the mend now, but I'm not sure whether I'll be racing that or not in the end. Yeah. How long have you got to go for that? April. Uh, so it's the 30th of April. Uh, they reckoned I wouldn't be running for six weeks. So that's another three weeks to go, mm. and we're on the 10th of Feb now. So it's I should be back running by then, but I'm not sure how fit and fast I'll be by then. So. Yeah. But will you go if you? Even if you um, are not fully fit, I think so. Yeah, I really enjoyed the experience last year, and with it be well, it, it's in Germany, but it's right, it's right on the point where Belgium and Germany meet. So from the UK, uh, I think it was only well, I say only. I think it was about a five-hour drive from the Channel Tunnel over to Aseldorf in Germany. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, I think I will go out there again. Enjoyed it. Yeah, good, good, and. Um, so that was the Europeans, was it? Yeah, which was then sh- closely followed by the World Champ. Won that, which obviously built some pressure going into the Worlds. Yeah, you'd uh, have been known. Yeah, managed to win that one as well, which was in Denmark. What was that, sorry? Yeah. You would have been known a marked man by that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, the the event organisers of that race are people, people called Power Man. Well, it's, it's run with the World Triathlon organisation, yeah. but the, the actual organisers are Power Man. And they feel like a really nice knit community. Uh, the, the guy that runs it, John, was really kind to me after the event. And yeah. Uh, so, how did yeah. the world champ go? Uh, yeah, really good. Managed to win that one. It was it definitely had a thought, I would say. Uh, the course itself suited me better. The, the other course in the Euros was pretty pan flat, mm. whereas this one had a bit of undulation and some cobblestones over in Denmark. Right. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed that, and, and as I say, managed to win the age group, and would have been just around the top ten in the elite field. Which, yeah, well, I have to see how that goes for this year coming. I don't know if they're running that event on the same course this year. Yeah, well, they haven't announced it if they are, but well, you, you'll have got an automatic qualification anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the, I should be able to race elite for the Euros and World Duathlon team middle distance when they announce the venues, but they've still not announced the venues as of yet. Yeah. So just explain to me how that how that pans out. Obviously you you won your age group. How does the whole elite thing come come together? Uh, so I think different governing bodies and uh countries have their own standards, but for the UK it's to do with it's actually irrespective of any results you've achieved. It's all to do with your flat out 10K running time, I think, for GB, for the elites. I think that works out as 32 minutes for a 10K. If, if you achieve that in, a, in an open race, you can race elite duathlon, which you have achieved. So, but yeah, we're going into the elite category as and when they announce the races for that. Excellent. Excellent. That's, that's amazing. 
Amazing. Yes, it, yeah, it should be good. It's a, a slightly different GB kit than the normal age group team one, so I'd be able to have both of those two on the wall, which would be, yeah. Yeah. And do you get that one given, or do you got to pay for that as well? I do, do get that one given, yeah, yeah. That's good then, because they're not cheap, are they? No, <laughs> no, and they like to change the designs a bit, don't they, as well, I think. Yeah, to be fair, every two years, though, so it's not too bad. No, yeah. and, and I think the most recent change was to do with ITU becoming World Triathlon, so it's out of their hands at that point anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's quite a nice suit, actually, though, the new one. Yeah, I, I do like the colour scheme they've gone for now. Yeah, it stands out. It's good. Yeah. So what's what was next, then, after you... You did that. Yeah, so I had had those two, the World and European uh, duathlons, and then I moved into what I would class as my tri-season, which was starting in June. And the first one of them was Ironman 70.3 Staffordshire, my first Ironman branded event that I'd taken yeah. part in. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I didn't really know. I, I knew the field was going to be massively strong, and I knew it was... A lot of people there, uh, but I was a bit blown away by how the race ended up turning out for me. It was, uh, it, you had slightly staggered starts on the swim. Yeah. So you, ne- you never 100% knew where you were in the race, but they weren't that big a stagger. So you, you roughly knew where you were and came out of the water probably about eight or tenth, somewhere around there. Uh, just kept biking, overtaking people, overtaking people. And then come out of, of just starting the run, so transition two, I could see someone leaving and they were saying, oh, that's first place. Uh, so I managed to get on his shoulder by about 5K into the half marathon, overtake him, and then uh, I, was in, I was leading my first ever Ironman branded event, which was a bit of a shock. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, 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 the final 10K of that half marathon was definitely me looking over my shoulder the whole time, starting to really tire. But yeah, I held it out to the line and managed to take a finished tape, which was uh, really special. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're just going from strength to strength as the story progresses. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... well, reading it, like I said earlier, it's, am- it was, it's amazing. You know, I mean, you like you say, you're humble and it, you've just gone through it. But sitting here and listening to it and reading it, it's just, yeah. Just seeing the all these achievements that you've 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 achieved for one of a better word is just incredible. But let's keep going. Let's let's get on to the next one then. So the the next one was the Ironman UK. So finally, after all that waiting six years time, I finally got to the start line of an Ironman full distance that wasn't uh, cancelled or postponed, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> finally. Yeah. Finally. And this, this this race ended up being quite an odd one for me. For once, I had a, a really good swim. I think I came out of the water in third place. Uh, got into the lead on the bike pretty early. And up to about half distance on the bike, everything was going really well. I felt really strong. I think at one point, I got the, the time gap to second place at about 15 minutes. Yeah. Which was like blown away. And then... <laughs> I just, um, I'm not sure if it was fueling or if I was overpacing a bit, but the light started to go uh, out a bit and I just dropped off the pace massively and ended up getting off the bike in about fifth place, having had a massive lead and then dropped to fifth. Uh, set out running, didn't feel particularly strong, but just held like what I thought was a steady pace, kept taking on gels and stuff from the A station. And I must have come off the bike in sixth place because I made up two more places over the run. Ended up negative splitting the marathon, which I think is pretty rare. <laughs> so it was a four-lap course at Bolton on the, the marathon, and each of the four laps got faster and faster wow. uh, to, to finish fourth in the end. So it was, it was definitely a roller coaster of the day. I had like the morning where I was leading the bike and I felt invincible, and then I had a really low point between the end of the bike in the start of the run where I just lost places and thought I'd messed up completely and then built back into it a bit again so yeah yeah a special day for my first Ironman definitely uh, felt like a roller coaster but enjoyed it it was a great experience yeah and a great result for your first one yeah yeah I'd like to say lessons learned but from, from a race that comes up later on probably not so much lessons learned but yeah I really enjoyed it uh, so yeah Bolton for first experience of a full Ironman uh, it was a bit of a roller coaster of a day but Overall, yeah. lots of lessons hopefully learnt. Yeah. 
and then the next race that came up last year was one that I originally wasn't going to do, but because the year was going so well and everyone else seemed to be going to it, we were running the first ever 70.3 in Swansea. Right. And that had a pro field and my coach now, Nathan's based down in that Swansea area. And there's just so much uh, buzz about the event that I decided to go down and race that as well. There's another one that Alistair Brownlee in the pro field absolutely stormed. Oh, um, that's right. I remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I managed to win the overall age group part of it again was a pretty phenomenal day it was a really good course oh. over there that's one course really, really punchy on the bike there's definitely no drafting taking place over there the roads are always rock, rolling and left and right and yeah it's technical on the bike definitely that was my first time racing on what you'd call a more conventional course against the pros for a triathlon mm. and again again it was sort of a result that would have put me just around the top 10 fringes uh, it didn't quite meet the criteria for the British triathlon have for a pro license for triathlon, but it, it wasn't very far away. Yeah. And, and what we're talking about, what's, what is that, Wilf? Do you know? Uh, it's, it's, it's quite a convoluted system. It's basically the amount of prize money there is. They take that as a percentage and then they calculate the difference between the winning time to work out like a a sliding scale, basically. Uh, I think for that event, you would have needed about 8% of the winning time of Alistair Brownie's winning time. And I think I was about nine and a half, nine-ish from memory. So, so how did that make you feel? Uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty blown away being able to be competitive with the pros on, well, set semi-competitive, fight, fighting around the top 10 area time-wise hmm. on a course which is more conventional to triathlon because the, the hell Ellen course from a few years ago when they was racing against pros that was always going to suit me with my build and stature as I'm, I'm always suited on hilly courses but this, this yeah. result in the Swansea was a, a bit of a shocker really yeah 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 but uh, what a result though so what came next after Swansea uh, after Swansea was the Ironman Wales, which was the event I, would, I originally thought was going to be my first full distance, but because it kept getting postponed, I entered that Bolton earlier in the year. Yeah. And by this point in the year, obviously, I've done quite a lot of racing already. It's September time. And I'd like to say this race was a really good experience, but it ended up not being so great. Uh, the swim was dead choppy in the morning in the water over in the sea of Tembe, there was massive waves, but managed to get through that onto the bike and the bike was going pretty well. Uh, started to feel a bit weak towards the end of the bike, but definitely at no point did I feel anywhere near as bad as I did in Bolton earlier in the year. Uh, set out running and I just had nothing. I just kept getting emptier and emptier on my energy levels, despite taking on gels and water. Uh, and then within about five or ten k, I was I was walking. I was absolutely mm. empty. I just had nothing to give. Mm. Uh, a rain shower came in, and because I was walking, I just had no energy and got really cold. And ended up doing my first ever DNF, which yeah, not not my finest moment, but we learn lessons, I guess. Yeah, I mean it happens, doesn't it? What do you know? What you can put that down to anything? Did you, had you got a bug or something? Um, and I know and there's quite a few people didn't have the days they wanted in Wales and there was apparently there was sewage leakage into the sea, but I don't think that was the case for me. I think, I think it had been quite a long year by that point. I think I'd gone into it with quite a lot of pressure on my shoulders from previous results earlier in the year. And I just got a bit carried away and underfueled, basically. I'm not sure. Yeah, just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But so, these are all lessons, aren't? Yeah. Next time I go into a full race, I'll definitely be taking it with a bit more respecting the distance and really making sure to stay within myself until at least only at least halfway into the run before feeling like you're going hard. Basically, is where I think I need to be for the full distances. 
Yeah. And you'd already had a busy season, to be fair. Yeah. That's that's probably a bit to it as well. But uh, no, there's no, you know, I think you did right to not not carry on if you're not feeling great. There's no shame in that. But, you know, no, it's, it's obviously very disappointing at the time. Uh, not the result I wanted, but there's no harm done per se. Um, I also did know that from Staffordshire earlier in the year, I'd qualified for the 70.3 World Champs. Right. And that was, at that point, six weeks away. And knowing that I still had that to come back on, I didn't want to go super deep and try and cross the finish line, but in an absolute state, mm. once the race has already gone away from how I wanted the race to go. So, yeah. You live to fight another day. Yeah. Yeah. So that must have been a, a welcome surprise then, qualifying for that. Uh, yes, yeah, it definitely was. It's something I'd obviously starting the sport six years ago to go to the World Champs over in Utah. It was an experience I never thought I'd ever get. Uh, so I took that with, as soon as I qualified, that was, yeah, always something I was going to try and take on. I was just going to ask what race had you uh, done to qualify for that race? Yeah, that was the 70.3 Staffordshire in sort of right. June time. Okay, and what was the criteria to, to qualify? Uh, it's done on in done on age group placing. Uh, I, I, I won my age group, so I got a place, but I think depending on the age group size, some of them are sort of rolled down to the third place, some of them rolled down. Yeah, it's, it's done on how big the age groups are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool. And that was, is that an Ironman event? Uh, it's an Ironman branded event, but it's 70.3. It's a middle distance distance. Yeah. Ironman branded. Yeah. Cool. I do remember watching on the laptop, just catching, I don't know, I just caught the back end as we were waking up. Yeah. Uh, For the elite men. Get on? Um, I went, <clears throat> well, I managed to win my age group. In the world championships, which was just outstanding. Wow, I wasn't expecting that going out there really in the 25 29 category. Um, and that result has qualified me subsequently to race pro next year. Wow, so that's going to be an interesting experience. Or say next year, it's this this year now. It just feels, yeah, yeah. So, how do you feel about that? Uh, blown away, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna take it. Um, wow. Racing professionally is going to be very different because at the moment I would say I'm I work in a full time job, yeah, thirty seven and a half hour week, yeah. Uh, but outside of that, I've got no sort of family commitments and stuff. So relative to people I've been racing up today, I've been the one that's more time rich to train. I would say, yeah. Uh, but going into professional ranks is going to be the other way around. I'll, I'll be the one working a job, whereas be racing against some people that are doing it as their as their job is the triathlon. Whereas for me. I'm a long, long way away from that still. So I'd be going from the person that's the most time rich to the person that's the least time rich. Yeah, so that's it's going to be a big step up, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, it's just an experience that I definitely want to try and do over the next few years, see how I get on. Yeah, be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's most certainly, day. definitely. Yeah, exciting. It'll yeah. be... Uh, I mean, looking at your results so far and... and how you your times and things have gone against the pros. Um, you must be quite, you know, confident in in your ability and what you can do and what you can achieve. Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> at least to begin with, there's been a few races that I've raced this year where I know that I'll be fighting around the top ten area, which is generally the start of the prize money for the pro races. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go into this year, certainly hoping for to be competitive in the lower ends of the top 10. Yeah. But hopefully I can continue in progressing. Yeah. And see, yeah just keep, keep, keep working at it and see where I can get to. Yeah. yeah. Do you think if it carries on the way it's going and you keep improving, improving, um, you'll actually stop working and, and go pro full time. And I know it's like, well, you don't know what's in the future, but is that something that you'd like to do? 
Uh, it would it would certainly be the dream, uh, but it's whether it's realistic or not. I think a lot of the way that triathlon works is more than prize money. Most of the pros go off endorsement deals and stuff. Yeah. And it's sort of the, the, the chicken and the egg, I guess, where to get good results, you need to be dedicating all your time to training, but then to be able to dedicate all your time to training, you got to have the sponsors. So it's, uh, <clears throat> you got to try and work your way onto that slope, really, onto that ladder. Yeah. So we'll just see how it goes. But it would certainly be the dream, but how achievable it is, I've got no idea at this point, really. No. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Because at this moment in time, um, I don't know whether you've, you've seen all the hoo-ha around the Ironman CEO that was on um, How They Train podcast. Yes, I've listened to it. Yeah, Andrew Messick, I yeah. think he's called. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see that all these other... Um, connotations of of triathlete events for the pros are coming on and offering bigger and better money than Ironman are actually doing. And it seems to be taken away from the Ironman um, ideal, if you like. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? What what did you think to the to the programme? I mean, I don't want to put you on a spot. Or I just thought it was it's quite timely. You're thinking about possibly going pro, but obviously the money's not there for a career. Um, well, yeah, so, so the, the, the 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 PTO and companies like that, Challenge and uh, Clash, I think is another one, they're, they're all quite newish companies that are really shaking up Ironman's boat, I think, and offering pros other opportunities to race, which is just always great. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, that, that, that's going to be one of my goals early on is to try and get up to the PTO. The PTO have like a ranking system, basically. There's about 100... Oh, no. I think there's about a 1,000 pros registered as professional on the PTO website. Yeah. And at the end of the year, they give the top 100 uh, a prize money, and then above 50, I think it gets either. So any race that's over, uh, I can't remember what the threshold is, but at, and any race that's professional, generally speaking, will award PTO points so that would be one of my goals is to try and move up the ladder on the points and uh, build a name for myself really yeah yeah I've noticed uh, on that podcast he had Alistair Brownlee on uh, a yeah. couple of weeks back did you listen to that and he yes yeah he's also looking to do quite a lot of the PTO races yeah yeah they, they definitely are the, uh, the the big prize money PTO races they're invitational so you unlike most events that you can just say, I want to be on the start line for. Yeah. You've got to be invited to them. Really. I think they're reserved for the top 50 in the PTO, mm. uh, unless you're a sort of IT wildcard athlete that can go in through different routes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but long term, yeah, that would, be, that would be an amazing opportunity if you ever came up to race in one of those PTO open races. Yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly the company that's offering the most money at the moment for athletes. To build, yeah, to build on. Yeah, I mean it's nice to see actually because you know the you think you look at these sports stars and the likes of ye and you're right. It's only through sponsorship that they can actually scrape a living. They don't they don't live well. I mean they live to they live to do the sport they love, don't they? At the end of the day, it's not a yeah, it's not something that they can survive off solely by racing. It's it's a shame really if you think about all the other sports where they get an actual good salary and a good living wage it's and i know it's just it's it's because the sport's not as big as other sports and that's how it goes but it is a shame and it's it's an eye opener watching these pros now on that we can on on it um you know these instagram platforms and facebook platforms and to see actually they're just living normal lives and they're just training eating sleeping and that's it and then they go off racing and there's no no, there's no fast cars. There's no no high high life, is there? It's just that's what it is, and it's the love of the sport that gets them through. I think. Yes, yeah, so certainly. I think with with the way the triathlon landscape is for professionals, uh, unless you are really sort of top ten, top five in the world, making anything more than a basic living is very, very hard to ever achieve. Yeah. There's only like the the Norwegians or an Alistair Brownie or people that can pull in enough money to be what you class as wealthy off sport, I would say. Yeah. 
totally yeah, agree. yeah, it's definitely a sort of you, you, you do it for the love of the sport, you do it for the challenge of racing, you wouldn't do it for being a millionaire, it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, so just going back to your experience at um, St George, how did it go? What was the whole whole thing like? Was it did it live up to your expectations or? Was it better than your expectations? Yeah, so I made the trip out to the States by myself, but I knew a lot of people that were also doing the race. Uh, but being out in the States was amazing. For those that don't know, St. George is about an hour away from Vegas. So you're in sort of the desert area. It's a, well, I wouldn't even say flat. It's dry land, deserty, everything's sort of red rock. But you do get the big sort of mesa pillars and stuff sticking up out of the ground. So the actual course for the event itself, swimming in a reservoir. And then the bike was quite hilly, surprisingly hilly, actually. It took me by surprise. There's um, a climb on there called Snow Canyon and a couple of other hilly sections, which suits me. But yeah, it was quite a surprise how hilly that area was. I would imagine that the surrounding area of Vegas is pan flat, but no, it was pretty rolly. And the run again, what definitely wasn't flat. You were you were running around a golf course for half of the run, mm-hmm. which uh, was not the most stable underfoot, but I think it was a, a good course. I'd, I'd definitely go out there and race it again, giving the opportunity again, but it's just not ch- cheap to get to from the UK. Yeah, yeah. when you add yeah. up flights and accommodation for the time you've got to be out there for, it's... Uh, Definitely a, a big expense to get out there, but it was well worth it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, a great experience. Yeah, I remember that. I remember watching that run. I thought, God, that's twisty and turny and, you know, very technical, wasn't it? I don't think I've ever seen a run like it, to be honest. Yeah, no, it was, a, was it three laps of the run course, I think. And there was about half of it that was on like a, a nice American main street. And then you just turn onto this golf course and it was <laughs> yeah, pretty undulating underfoot. And yeah. everyone running in super shoes now that have got massive amounts of stack under yeah, their yeah. feet. And it's, yeah, not stable. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So does that bring us up to date then? Or what's from, from last year's racing? Yeah. So that's, that's basically everything ticked off all wrapped up. So what we got planned for 2023? Yeah. Uh, well, training was all going well. I thought I'd had a good base over the Christmas period. Went out and did quite a lot of cycling. We didn't have that bad of a winter, really, for the UK stands, I wouldn't say. It was pretty good, so I managed to get out on the bike quite a lot. Uh, and then, yeah, three weeks ago, just running on a bit of... It was, it was even quite a nice flat trail, uh, old, cycle, uh, old railway cycle lane. And just sort of stumbled a bit and managed to break the fifth metatarsal in my foot, which is basically the bone that leads to your little toe. Mm. Uh, but back on the turbo now and back swimming. Probably still looking at another two weeks before I'm actually running properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not sure how much that's going to put the back burner on the season. But uh, the original plan was pretty similar to the rents I've done this year, really, but just racing in the elite and pro categories instead of the amateur age group categories. So, yeah, yeah same sort of thing with a duathlon start, which is end of March, and then June doing Staffordshire, 70.3 again. In July, I was thinking about doing Ironman Nice in France, which is actually going to be the World Championship course later in the year. Mm. Uh, but this event, they're running the same course twice, basically. So I thought it'd be cool to go, out, go go over there, have a race on a hilly course, which should shoot me, and see the course before watching it on TV later in the year. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That, that could be quite a good experience. And then, again, a race, uh, Swansea, which I raced this year, but this time, again, as a pro. And haven't really got past that. That'll probably take me up to September time. And so, hopefully there'll be more races out on the calendar by then. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're going to have a busy one. But it's it's just, just going to be a, a year of learning, really. I'm step, making that step up. Just don't know how it'll go. Well, you know, up to now has been anything to go by. It's going to be, um, like you say, a steady learning curve, but with successes along the way, I would think. Um, 
why should it be any different? Keep putting the work in, you're going to get yeah, yeah, a I've, I've, good result. Yeah, I've been very lucky up to now that I've managed to get away without sort of any serious running injuries or niggles or anything like that. So I've, I've always had quite a consistent training block. Mm. Uh, so taking me out of running now with this foot, it's actually going to be the first time I've not run in sort of six years. So there's something to be said for it, it might be positive in the long run having a bit of a break now build into the season later on but we'll, we'll have to just see I don't know yeah yeah well let's hope it's positive so just um, you've, you've already said that you've got a coach so can you just tell us a little bit about what you do on a weekly basis from a training point of view obviously when you, you're fully fit and you're not injured yeah sure so I work a Monday Friday 8 8 till 4.30 job yeah. And around that, I managed to get in about 18 to 20 hours a week of training, which consists of in the morning, I'll try and do an hour before work, which is generally going to the pool. Uh, I'm, I'm Where I live, I'm literally around the corner from a gym that's got a 25-meter pool. So I can be out of bed by 5.20, 5.30-ish, in the pool by 6, back out the pool by 7, and then in work by 8, so do that most mornings in the, in the week and then the evenings generally reserved for cycling and running uh well reserved for either cycling or running and i'll try and get in about 90 minutes of a weekday evening and then come the weekend that's where i'd like to get the, the, the big miles in on the bike and the run to try and build that endurance base so just yeah long the uh, rides anywhere between three to five hours, really. Try and get out with some friends out in the hills, have a good time. And then uh, I've got a dog as well. So he, he always likes going out for trail runs and stuff to get get a bit more base on the run. Yeah, I've seen the pictures of your dog. Uh, is it a Springer? Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. English he, Springer Spaniel. Percy, yeah, he just... <laughs> He looks lovely, full of full of life. Yeah. Not too much full of life from, from that picture. No, no, no. I bet he takes some tiring out, does he? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm quite lucky in a way that um, he doesn't love going out for runs, but he does love tennis balls. So right. if I carry a tennis ball with me, he'll, he'll go out for runs with me. Or if I want quite a chilled time after I've done sport, I can go out to a field and just throw the tennis ball constantly and that'll keep him entertained and active. So I I, I can take him out on the spot with me or I can stay quite static whilst he does the exercise in himself, which is perfect for me, yeah. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Cool, right. Well, I think that's that's hit your history and uh, we're up to date. So I've just got a few quick, quick fire questions at the end. Uh, yep. The first one being, what's your favourite bit of kit? Um, for me, probably the TT bike. Uh, with, with my engineering background, the bike's sort of the area where you can tweak and fiddle the most, and that's, yeah, really really happy with the setup I've got now. Have you done the setup yourself? Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much all myself. Um, I have had a bike fit in the past with a chap called Matt Bottrell, who I think most oh, yeah. people in the triathlon UK scene will have heard of at some point. He's yeah, a, yeah, I've heard of Matt. Yeah. Watch his uh, YouTube he's, videos. He's, he's very well renowned for bike fitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's all over um, Instagram and things like that. So yeah, I watch what he's up to. Um, yeah, so that well, that was a good starting point. Yeah. If you've had if you've had him him doing that, what uh, so you've you've got your coach and he sets you all your your training out and that's on on a weekly basis, monthly basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, what other resources and things do you? Do you use or go to to help? Um, I'm very much someone that listens to loads, loads of podcasts uh, and just in, in about different coaches and stuff, talking about triathlon and cycling. I'm always trying to figure out as much as I can, really. Mm. I think sometimes you can get overloaded. If you, if you try and take in different bits from everyone, you sort of can, can get yourself a bit lost. But yeah, I, I always find it really interesting, the science of sport, basically. Yeah. And what's your favourite podcast? Um, that, that How They Train can be really interesting. Um, what else could we put on there? At the moment, I'm really enjoying Joe Skipper's podcast. He's just a funny guy. Not, not, not that serious, that podcast, but it's still just an interesting listen. Triathlon mockery. Um, yeah, triathlon, yeah. And that triathlon show as well. 
a really good one. Loads of them. Uh, and a- anytime there's like a grand tour or anything, I'm also into the, the daily little podcast that people like cycling tips do and cycling news and stuff. Yeah, you're into cycling yeah. as well. Then? Uh, yeah, yeah, enjoy watching it. I haven't really done much road racing, but it's something I'd like to try at some point in the future. Mm. Uh, but yeah, watching it, definitely I'm into it and obviously training it, but I haven't really done that much solo bike racing other than time trials. Did you see the cyclocross at the weekend? The world champion? Uh, yes, yeah, it was a great battle between <laughs> Matthew and Walt. And then, yeah, yeah you Zoe couldn't call and, uh, it yeah, could you? No, yeah, you definitely couldn't, but... I'm 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 happy with that outcome because of the two, I'd say I don't really prefer Matthew. He's a bit more I don't know. Seems well, well, almost seems too gifted. He can do a bit of everything, whereas Matthew's a bit more. He's just a really good punchy short climber, basically. Uh, yeah, Well, seems to be able to do everything. He's a bit too dominant for my liking. <laughs> Both fantastic athletes. Both fantastic. Yeah, no, they're, they're, yeah, the sport is very lucky to have them both. They're both, you know, phenomenal. It's yeah. It, I think the field when they they turn up to race, the the rest of the field must be like us. Listen, to some of the pre-race interviews from other athletes, you sort of got the impression that they already knew that third was the best they could ever achieve. So yeah, it must be hard for them. It must be. I mean, you think they go there all? That's their that's their job, and they're there all season racing, and then the big three come in, and I include Tom Pitcock in that. And yeah, they know usually it's going to be fourth, isn't it? That the best they can achieve, which is. Well, it is what it is, but uh, it must be must be heartbreaking, really, when you've been winning up to that point, and then then they arrive. Yeah, I suppose you could draw parallels at the moment to the Norwegians, though, coming from ITE racing to long distance racing, and then doing a bit of the same. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very true, actually. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah, because there hasn't been another triathlete that's managed to actually just come into long course from that and just dominate like the Norwegians have done. So they've done a few good podcasts over the last, over the last few weeks. Yeah. Have you heard the Rich Roll podcast they did? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard. They they did one a while back, didn't they? And then they, yeah. their coach... And then the coaches uh, just done one. Oh, uh, I've did another one, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah they were good, good. Um, what advice would you give to anybody wanting to start in triathlon? Consistency is key. Keep Keep active, keep doing it. Stick to it, and you 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 will progress. Really, what you think you can achieve if you work hard? Well, you, you can achieve far more than you expect if you continue working at it. I think is a good thing to say. Yeah, and you're you're proof of that. Yeah, uh, certainly. Like when I was writing to you about what I've achieved this last year, it, it always surprises me. If, if if you told that to the person that started in 2017, they definitely wouldn't have believed you. So it's just yeah. And I guess when you wrote it down, did you think, oh, blimey, actually, that is quite, yeah. I have done quite a lot. Because you, you, like you said right at the beginning, you don't really think about it because you're just going through it. So when you've actually wrote yeah. it down, you've digested actually what you've done and where you've come in all those races. It's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, as, as you say, it's, it's not until you sort of have time to reflect that you can really realise what you've done at and I know there's a lot of people that win some of the biggest races in the world say that like five years down the line, they sort of regret not celebrating it in the moment. And they, they, they were too caught up in being ready for the next race. They never really celebrated it until they'd already finished their career, basically. Yeah. And well, I think that's quite yeah. common, isn't it, really? In, in a lot of Definitely sports. got to reflect on it. Yeah, I, I mean, it is. It's sort of a... Whilst you're stuck in the moment, you don't realise what's what, what you're achieving until you have time to reflect. Yeah, cool. And I think the last my last question is short and long term goals, but I think we've already covered that. To be fair, so I think that's a great place to to finish it. And I good luck with everything in the future. I'll be keeping an eye out on the races that you you're entering. Good luck with your injury. I hope it heals fast um, and you get back to it as quickly as as possible. And um, thank you ever so much for spending your time and um, coming on the pod and telling us your fantastic story. No, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you. Keep, cool. keep, keep up the great content. Well, what a journey so far. And he's only really just got started, although he has been in, like we said, over six years. Um, but really excited for him. 
Um, looking forward to following him and his journey forward to see what he can achieve. So if you want to follow Ben's story, you can find him on Instagram at Ben W. Goodfellow. He's also got a website, which is bengoodfellow.wixsite.com. And he's got on there his Palmares and his race reports. So that's about it for now. Thank you once again for taking your time out and giving us a listen. And um, if you want to get in touch, as usual, you can email us at agegroupmultisportpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at amp underscore 1967. We're on Facebook at ampgb. We're on Twitter at Age Group Multisport Podcast. We've got a few bits and pieces up on YouTube, AmpGB. And, uh, yeah, just DM us if you want to get in touch. Please do leave us a rating and comments. That would be really nice to hear. And if you've got any questions or anything else for me or any of the guests, um, I'm quite happy to pass them along. If you're an age grouper, and you've raced for your country and you would like to come onto the podcast and share your story, please just get in touch by one of the previous uh, methods. Everybody's story is worthy of a podcast. So that's about it for now. Don't forget, stay safe, keep training and love the process.